night, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And it's true. You can see a vision of the future, and it certainly is murder, because Britain now is called Fortress Britain, where they're bringing armored vehicles into all airports and so on. They've been doing that for years, mind you, there. They're stepping up the whole process. And shortly you'll have them outside the shopping malls and plazas as well as you're getting padded down and having body cavity searches with a bunch of giggling teenagers in black outfits. And that'll become the normal because everything eventually becomes the normal. And that's how people judge themselves as saying everyone else accepts it. It must be normal. And therefore you swallow your pride and, and accept it. That's how it works. If you cause a problem, well, what's wrong with you? Everyone else accepts it. And that's why they call it democracy. Because the mob, the masses, can always be counted on to do as elite want them to. That's why they gave us democracy. That's the con behind it. Now, Mark Bard, who is a reporter and who is a teacher of reporters, of journalists, writes a, a column called Parallel Normal. Com. And on the 15th today, he's got a page up there talking about roaches, how roaches now will follow a, a robotic roach and how their behavior doesn't seem to change. They accept this robotic roach just like it's one of their own. And a little comment there mentions, and you can follow all the links to it too, a little comment mentions how this could be used on other species as well. Well, guess really what the other species happen to be? Well, it's humans, of course, because they're not too interested in roaches. They don't pay taxes. They don't consume and produce, which is the definition of a good citizen, according to the United Nations. So it's about controlling us and also looking to Parallel Normal and his other link on his site there to do with scientists preparing the mind-reading device, November 15, 2007. ParallelNormal.com, and in here it's got screaming to be heard. Boston University claims its mind-reading device can get inside heads of paralyzed patients. Now they always use the poor, misfortunate ones to bring the horror shows down on the public because these people have no time for those who don't produce anymore. But it's a great thing the public can't get past that part. It's like attacking mum's apple pie. They're trying to help people. So they always use that, that to, to push their chips and all the rest of it that they want to insert in your brain. And it says here, New Scientist magazine cited by the Bee, that's the BBC, in this report, link in excerpt below, often exaggerates the nature of scientific findings and discoveries. That's why I'm just a bit dubious of the claim that electrodes implanted in the brain of a speechless man are unlocking his thoughts and relaying them to a voice synthesizer. And it goes on to say here, but if the scientists at Boston University can indeed guess the guy's thoughts accurately, 80% of the time, that would be impressive. Once they take this technology wireless or make it wireless, calling our thoughts our own might prove to be impossible. To be honest with you, I think they're already there because Nick Bagage showed on television in Canada, on the Wendy Mesley show, on CBC television a few years ago, devices the CIA were using back in the 1950s that were now obsolete and you'd put this little thing in your pocket like a remote TV con uh, control uh, and you could even put it in your top shirt pocket that were so small 
which must mean they were solid state, by the way, long before we even heard of transistors, which were the middle ground before solid state. And he, he demonstrated to the interviewer, Wendy Mesler, that you put a sound, he played music in the middle of her head, that's what she heard from a distance. So it worked on line of sight, probably any line of sight, and he could just as easily have put words in her in her head as well. So this is old technology, but this is the bottom level at university, thinking they're just discovering it, and that's why it's called research. When they call it research, it means the searching has already been done, because there are three levels of science existing at all times, one from professorship down for the public, and even the professor thinks he knows all there is to know, but there's a level above them, and they're drafted up into areas like, like MI6 and higher categories within the CIA. And there's an even higher group above them that keeps highly uh, advanced scientific devices, including the things that people think are flying saucers. They've had that for years. The BBC did a documentary on Area 51 in the 1970s. And you can see these things coming out of a, an Air Force base where they make them and test them. And they keep all this stuff quiet from the public. And they create the UFO movement uh, to distract you from what they're actually doing. It must be from out the world because we can't do that we don't have that technology and everybody wants to fall for it because it's so amazing we love to be amazed just like religions have done in the past when Elijah went off into space and and Jesus went up through the roof and all that and disappeared up into the sky so they, they do the same kind of things today with UFOs and they get movement started and actually fund them you know the Rockefeller Foundation is the biggest funder to all these UFO movements and their leaders I know that for a fact because I know a person who works in the centre for uh, Rockefeller uh, Foundation and all she does is sign checks all day long to all these different organisations so that's how the world is run including our thoughts and our fantasies and our hobbies even and things which make us go ooh and ah that's how it's done so here you are, the, the Boston University and Paranormal has come out with their lower version of they're just working on it, even though you find in a recent article put out by DARPA, DARPA remembers to do all to do with the NSA Department, National Security Department, had already claimed that they put a chip in a paralyzed man's head, which allowed him to do emails, which I think were 80% accurate most of the time. And that's the world we're living in. We're living in deception and categories of science which are kept from the public because all that the public is ever told about is technically obsolete. As I say, the BBC did a documentary on Area 51 in the 70s. Others have taken their own, made their own documentaries there. And you always see these, these crafts coming out of underground hangars and going up in the sky and doing all kinds of odd things much faster than jet aircraft can do, stopping on a dime and going the opposite way even. And that's supposed to be unknown to the public. They're all at the latest stealth bomber and say this is the best we've got, honestly. And they also use bombs like cluster bombs and all the damage that they do, which is phenomenal. But they don't even need that anymore. In fact, look into the HARP technology, weather warfare, the weather warfare treaty at the United Nations signed in the 1970s it said it made all other weaponry obsolete weather warfare now they signed that because they already had that stuff and it already worked they could knock out entire nations or continents if they want to just with the harp alone it made all the bombs they could ever make completely obsolete 
three categories of science always coexisting and unknown to each other. That's how it works. The only ones who really know are the guys at the top who have the advanced, the very advanced scientific equipment. So that's the world we live in, a world of deception where everything is put on the bookshelves is to keep you in a matrix, a matrix where you'll never imagine what they can actually do in reality, but you'll think that you do. That's why I'll argue with people and say, we don't have that technology. We could never do that. They're just working on that now. Well, look at the books by people like Rutherford, who was one of the greatest mathematicians who ever lived. He was the one that the Royal Institute sent into Egypt to do all the, the, the measurements, the correct measurements for pyramids and so on. He wrote a, a biography, and he mentioned in the 1920s that he was working at that time, in the 1920s, on genetics. Now, why would you have a mathematician working on genetics if you hadn't found the genes yet? Because the public were told you didn't find all that until Watson came up with the double helix and all the rest of it much, much, much later on. They keep the truth from the public because knowledge is power. And when it comes to anything to do with weaponry or anything that could change humanity, you keep secret. Keep it secret from the public. You don't tell them what's really going on. Very, very simple. Now, we've already had 50-odd years almost 60 years of very, very good, very, very good science fiction movies. And television has been the greatest tool for indoctrination ever to be invented. Bertrand Russell himself praised it to high heavens. And all of the, the Star Trek series that you found, for instance, in the early Star Trek series that hooked every child, they were very, very good, well done, really were all about a future society than an allegorical form in space. That's what it was all about. And they gave you little human dramas. They always give you a human drama as you, as you swallow the bait, the bait being uh, the human drama. And along with the bait, you take the poison, the poison being here's new ways of looking at life and people and everything else. And even the system that you live in has prepared your mind to come into a much bigger system, the multicultural society that was to come. And the whole point of the Starship Enterprise. Now remember, God bless us on this enterprise, as it says in the United States. Uh, enterprise is to do with commerce and business. It's also a plan, a big, big plan. You enter for the prize, the prize being the world. And the Starship Enterprise had had uh, many, many missions to go, meeting all these different alien races that represented foreign countries. And you'll find that all those who accepted the trading missions and became partners and accepted all the rules and laws and regulations and became similar to the Earth system were good guys. Anyone who didn't accept it, were, they're all nasty and had horrible faces. They're all ugly little characters. And so they were the bad guys. And they were primitive. And that's what they were really showing you to do with the upcoming world system they were bringing in. Uh, you'll find that today. All the, all the countries that haven't come under this global system, haven't thrown off the shackles of their own particular religion and so on, uh, are all uh, backward type people that you can't trust. They're all shifty and, uh, and primitive, and therefore they're bad guys. And that's why we sit back here uh, and, and watch people getting blown up across the world. It doesn't affect us. We've become disassociated from the rest of humanity through mass 
positive conditioning all our, all our lives, lifelong conditioning. At one time they reserved that only for the military who does get a more indoctrination into the dehumanizing of an enemy. You always dehumanize an enemy uh, before you let the, the troops loose on them. That's why they go in there and they behave very brutally, much more than the stuff that you'll see on NBC. And you also do the same thing now on the, pop- the population. The population today do not react as it did in times gone by. In times gone by, when people were, were being hit hard across the other side of the world, you still had empathy for them. Because, again, that was a survival mechanism. If you had no empathy for others, ultimately, you were on your own. No one would come to your aid. And so that's why you naturally care about others. People today have been dehumanized to such an extent they seldom have empathy for each other and that's a sad sad thing to say but it's so true we have been cut off divided and conquered divided and conquered all the way down to the family unit until people can't get along anymore we live in little boxes playing with a silly little screen of a computer which is actually programming you you think it's a tool to help you but it's not it's there to program you it tells you what to do and you obey every step of the way. You've been programmed all along. And Brzezinski even wrote about the computer saying this this will be given to the public shortly with a form of communication they'd never heard of before. He says they'll think it's for themselves, but in reality it will be to create a, a, a form, a common form of culture across the world. Well, who do you think's making the culture? Because you don't decide what it is. You never did. Culture, as Plato said, is begun at the top it comes from the top and it's put down to the public below anything that came up from the grassroots has to be eliminated because it would have unseen repercussions uh, to the elite at the top with their various plans therefore culture creation is part of big government's job and business it always has been always has been even things that make you cry when you hear certain music played because it's your national this or it's national that or whatever it happens to be, and the symbols, it's all reinforced, it's given to you and then reinforced through repetition, just again like Pavlovian training. And people are completely unaware of this. They respond to it, but they're unaware of why. And it's Pavlovian training. That's how we're run. That's how culture is run. Now, I'll be back with more about this after the following messages and I'll take callers. And he's six feet four He fights with missiles and with spears He's all of 31 And he's only 17 He's been a soldier for a thousand years He's a Catholic, a Hindu, an atheist, a Jain A Buddhist and a Baptist and a Jew And he knows he shouldn't kill, and he knows he always will Kill you for me, my friend, and me for you 
fighting for Canada. He's fighting for France. He's fighting for the USA. And he's fighting for the Russians. And he's fighting for Japan. And he thinks we'll put an end to war this way. And he's fighting for democracy. He's fighting for the Reds. He says it's for the peace of all. He's the one who must decide who's to live and who's to die, and he never sees the writing on the wall. But without him, how would Hitler have condemned him at Laval? Without him, Caesar would have stood alone. He's the one who gives his body as a weapon of the war, and without him, all this killing can't go on. He's the universal soldier, and he really is to blame. His orders come from far away no more. They come from here and there, and you and me, and brothers, can't you see? This is not the way we put the end to war. Hi, folks. Alan Watt back with cutting through the matrix. And that song is so true because, yeah, you have the psychopaths at the top who know how to manipulate tribal instincts, especially in young men. Young men aren't too bright. I've been there myself, and we run on hormones. And most young men want to be accepted by the tribe, the group, doing something that's active and and gets rewards and it gets the it gets the camaraderie of the group. They want to be part of something for the first time in their lives more so since they all come from dysfunctional families in this modern day. Almost all families are dysfunctional. They've been made intentionally so. So they look for, like any person who wants to join a gang, they look for a, a tribal leader and the gang man at the top, and they give them their all. They do what they're told, and they're also given awards by their own country. Now, most of these characters are generally from the lower classes. They have no power. They look down upon, in fact, a lot of them don't work or haven't had, had a job or can't get one. And suddenly, putting a uniform on makes you all respectable and people treat you completely differently and they feel special. And once you enter the military, that's what they tell you right off the bat is you're special now. You don't belong to civvy street, civilian street. You're special. You're one of us. You're part of the team. You're a brother. Big fraternity, you see. And guys love fraternities and societies with emblems. And all the way from ancient Egypt, they always started with the left foot forward. That's why if you look at the, the, the stelas in Egypt, you always see the left foot forward. That's the beginning of the march of the sun going as we go around the, the sun. Those days I thought it was the other way around. But that's the beginning of the march with the left foot forward, which happens in every military in the world. The whole military is part of the high occultic system. And soldier is someone who dies for the sun, Saul, the sun. That's what it's for. Now we have Steve in Ohio. Are you there, Steve? Hello, Hello Steve. Yeah. Hi, Alan. How are you doing? Not so bad. It's great to hear you. Uh, I just was interested tonight in you talking about uh, all these things that are sent to confuse us and uh, particularly the intelligence services being involved in it. I don't know if you've heard recently about uh, that great truth teller that escaped from MI5, David Shaler. Yes. And uh, his uh, 
statement in July that he was the new Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in fact, he's a reincarnate, allegedly. It's very complicated, as you well know these things usually are. And uh, he's a, now a reincarnation of a Jewish revolutionary shepherd named uh, Astrogis. Mm-hmm. It's just quite interesting when we hear these truth-tellers coming out of there, isn't it? It is, is telling. As I say, Alistair Crowley was one of the better ones, uh, and heavily funded, mind you, and given whole teams of writers to churn out all the, all this, uh, all the books to, to start the movement up. But, but they, did, they have been behind all the, the New Age movements. And it's also interesting, too, that they use high technology on people who walk into... This is admitted to by... It came out of the hearings after the MK Ultra hearings. The CIA were involved in all that. Of course, they funded it all. But they were also putting in the same type of equipment that Nick Bigage showed. They could put thoughts in your head. You'd hear voices in your head. They were installing them in lots of these meditation groups that suddenly sprouted all over the place, all over the world, especially the Western world. And, and some of them even guaranteed you that you'd hear God talking to you. And they did. They'd pay their money and they'd do a little meditation and sure enough they'd have their experience. And so they were using high technology back in the 60s and no doubt onwards from there. And it makes you wonder what it did to that particular man you're talking about. Even though he worked for them, it's possible they're even using it on them too. Yeah, he, he announced that it was uh, through concerted and continual use of uh, mushrooms, ayahuasca, ibogaine, coupled with uh, marijuana that helped him come to this uh, realization of his divine mission to help us into 2012. Yes. And um, I suppose sitting doing that at the Glastonbury Symposium, that would be a, something that might happen. Yeah, yeah, I have no doubt it could. And... Uh, uh, again, they're very famous for trying to give us messiahs, uh, this particular group. I mean, and to an extent, uh, even theosophy, its whole idea was to pick young men and groom them for Maitreya uh, 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 systems. And uh, they, they did to groom a few and tried them out there. Uh, Krishnamurti was one of them. He was brought up by them. In fact, Basant's father, the Lord Basant, gave him most of his training. He was one of the highest members of the Knights Templars, Lord Bissant. And uh, uh, luckily, um, he broke away from it. He realized he was going to be used to, to manipulate the minds of millions of people. And don't forget what they say, too, that eventually they'll give us a benevolent dictatorship. They'll give us a benevolent dictator. And so they've been trying to groom these characters uh, over the last couple of hundred years and get the public to accept it. So it's interesting that, that someone would come out of there uh, with, with maybe a bit too many, too many delusions of grandeur. And by revealing the fact he did take the magic mushrooms and all the rest of it, he's kind of lost his own cause there. Good guy. Thank you, Alan. Thanks very much. Thanks for calling. Pleasure. And, uh, yeah, we, we find this all the time, uh, that um, the big agencies have been behind that. Now, that's what MKUltra was about, too, psychic driving. It wasn't just putting on helmets with earphones and giving you LSD and then giving you repetitive uh, sounds, music, and words to alter your behavior uh, and erase your old memory and bring it, give you a new memory, which was all part of it. What they didn't tell you in MKUltra, and they didn't show it even in the expose that the CBC did, the documentary on called The White Room, I think it was called, um, they didn't show you the fact that they'd also taken a lot of young children that were orphans and experimented on them too. 
And all of those ones still wake up today at 3 a.m. every morning, all together at the same time. 3 a.m. on the dot, no matter where they are. That's what happens. Now we've got John in Florida now, too. Are you there, John? Hello, John? i got a question regarding um, chipping technology and whatnot. Um, how do you foresee them playing that out, you know, as far as like the Hegelian um, dialectic? Well, I'll tell you, it's quite easy to, to see where they're going step by step again. We yeah. went through, I'll tell you, hold on, and I'll talk to you after the following messages. Will do. Demand. This is We the People Radio Network. Hi. I'm Alan Watt back with Cutting Through the Matrix. And that's true, this can't go on. It's time this all came to a dead stop. And the people, for the first time perhaps in history, start conversing amongst themselves and deciding where they want to go. Now we've got John in Florida on the line who's talking about the brain chip and, and how it's likely to be given to the public. We can see where it's going with all this ID card stuff. Now in Europe, they already have to show their ID in certain European countries. Uh, to get in a taxi cab, to go on a subway, get on a bus, and it's become a way of life. And of course, we know they're going to give a big, a big, um, be a whole stack of, of robberies eventually in the media about these cars being stolen. Probably after we all get them here next year, they'll have a spate of robberies and false IDs, and they'll say, oh, this can't go on, it's terrible. And then they'll bring forth someone on a, on a big show like Oprah or who knows. And uh, they'll show the, the benefits of the chip and how wonderful it will be and how also it can interface with your nervous system. They've already put this stuff out to the public in science magazines. and It'll become more mainstream and more out into the regular newspapers shortly about the benefits of a brain chip and how you won't need tranquilization in these turbulent times, these stressful times, because it's going to stimulate your own natural endorphins and so on to be released and you'll feel so much better. You'll be placid all the time. So if you stress the public enough and give them um, uh, a lot of hype about stolen cards, and this card eventually is meant to be your one card. They'll do your banking. It'll take the place of all the other cards that you have. That's what it's designed to do, and that's been discussed openly in the British newspapers even a couple of years ago. It has the capacity for all of that, and it will be used down the road for that. But once that starts getting stolen and you can't buy anything anymore, everything's plastic, then you'll need some other method, and the chip will be the way to go. And it's also going to be pushed at NASA, even had a documentary out a few years ago of how their, how their particular astronauts are chipped to monitor their blood pressure and their heart rate and so on. 
and how safe you'd be if you had this chip because it can actually contact the, the hospitals before you know yourself you're coming down with a stroke or a heart attack. And this is how they'll sell the whole idea to the public. And all you have to do is to get a certain percentage of the public to accept it and the rest will be forced to go along with it. That's again called democracy. What's wrong with you? The rest have accepted this. What's your problem? But it's also to track you everywhere you go. They've admitted the card, the forerunner of the chip, uh, has the capacity to be tracked by cell phone towers all throughout cities. And you know they put up these little uh, arrays antennas on the top buildings and all streets in the, in the cities. So you'll be tracked wherever you go. This is the totally surveilled society. Totally means totally surveilled. That's why they called it total information network. Not almost total, but total information network. And the only way to be absolutely certain is to have the thing implanted. And that's why they had the meetings at Loyola University in Louisiana over the last few years, at the annual science meeting there. Newt Gingrich was Putin uh, as the head spokesman that starts off these talks. And these guys never retire. They're always given these kind of positions. And they had the top scientists who worked with the chip as early as 2001, talking about the fact that it's actually ready to go. All they have to do now is convince the public to accept it. And they said this will be promoted mainly through fiction, but not all through fiction, but mainly through fiction, starting with cartoons to make the children actually think it's a normal thing and all their superheroes will have them and they'll give them tremendous powers. That's how they're going to get the idea into the young. It'll then go through various novels for adults and movies as well. And sure enough, after 2001, we had um, uh, different movies come out. What with Robin Williams, for instance, uh, it, it was the, what was it called? The, the Cutter, I think they called it, where you have an implant. Everyone has an implant put in their brain and they could had a complete memory. Your memory was duplicated. Everything you'd seen or done in your entire life was in that chip, and they could show it to everyone uh, after you were deceased. They could show you um, what you saw, what you heard, what you said. And that's how they're doing it. They familiarize you with the idea, and then through terror and fear, they promote it as a good thing, and most people will accept it because science has been put up on the platform where religion used to be. It is the new religion that's taken over, and that was all intentional. People are conditioned now to believe anything the experts tell us. So does that, does that answer how it will be done? Well, I mean, like, say you always hear about, like, you know, you got the Barrett chip, you know, digital angel down here, say, like, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Do you think, and I know there's, like, RFID chips, like, in particular forms of identification. So do you think they would jump directly to, like, say, you know, the cerebral implant? Into mm -hmm. the yeah, this, this, this thing is, is all ready to go. They've had it for years. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've and, heard of your past shows, and you said you got one, whatever, somebody in Germany. Yeah. Um, one right. of these. I mean, would, would they... I mean, I mean, how would they do that? Would they have to, like, incorporate, like, a large army of, um, you know, the white coats, I guess, you know, the doctors to do this kind of They, they always thing. like to get the, co the cooperation. The, they love the cooperation of the public. It's the same with the flu thing. That's what the flu thing's also all about, all these flu shots, is to yeah. train the public to go for their shots voluntarily. Uh, the sheep, it's much easier to control sheep if they, if they go the way that the shepherd wants them. And that's the, the media consent as well, the acquiesce legally. To what well, these I've, I've to noticed, do. you know, in the past, you know, since we've you know, talked about the inoculations and whatnot, and it seems like for some reason this particular year it's like 
everywhere. I mean, it's just like, come get your flu shots. We got them at the convenience store. We got them yeah. here. And, mm-hmm. you know, you always get sick of that. But, you know, I've had flu shots like twice, and every time mm-hmm. I've ever had those twice, those are the most sickest, you know, I ever got in my life. So, yeah, you know, that's that. right. And, and uh, but that's, that's part of the training is to get us all to go along to the white coats when we're told to, thinking it's going to be for our own benefit. And sure enough, they will give us, as I say, a spate of robberies of your ID card, and you'll, you'll see distress. You'll see distressing stories in newspapers of poor souls that couldn't feed themselves, pay their rent for a month, or were evicted because they didn't have their card. And no one wants that. And so, through fear, they'll guide you along. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's how it's done. Yep. Now, as far as like you know, the cerebral implant, would it be something painful or something, or you'd have to be like a you know. Uh, go to medical school, or I mean, if you have one, I mean, can you kind of elaborate on that? Or I don't think they would be they'd even have to go to medical school to do it. They might start off with nurses. You'll simply put your head back into a rest, and uh, uh, it will simply go in very simply and easily. And I know for a fact it does have, as I said, at a Loyola meeting, uh, it has a coating on it that's a, a similar to protoplasm and it will bind to the neuron structure, the nervous structure of your own body so you can't just pull it out again. It would drip your nerves out with it too. And what kind of size could you say this um, cerebral brain implant is? is it like it's minute. I, 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 yeah, the, the one I've got here from the German company uh, is, is probably no, it's probably less, it's about an eighth of an inch and yet under, under magnification it's like a little factory plant with even little coolers in it and everything and little pipes in it and so on and so uh, it's, uh, and it's got these prods that stick up like fingers lots of them, these are the things that interact with your nervous system and attach themselves to, to the neurons and the ganglia and how yep. long have you had um, access to that particular technology? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they have many others, and that's only one company with one type. Uh, they could also give it snob appeal, by the way. Uh, that's another thing. That's how they were, they were selling other ideas. You give something snob appeal, you, you get bronze categories, silver and gold and platinum, and they're doing the same thing with the, you know, the, the badger clubs where they give you a, an implant in your arm for the teenagers to get into mm, the I've club. I've seen that. I think they have yeah. a place down here. I think in Miami they do that. There's one particular club. Yes, and, and the guy who's the head of this whole chain of uh, nightclubs where all the young, sexy women go, and that's why the young guys go, and they'll do anything to get you the young, sexy women. That's nature. And, <laughs> uh, and they, they pre-charge their little chip, you see, with, with uh, your entrance fee, your club membership, and the, every drink that you buy is just swipe this, swipe this thing past your arm. The guy in charge of it just happens to have left at the NSA where he worked most of his life. Uh-oh. <laughs> that tells you who owns it, right? Yeah. No such agency. That's it. That's it. Okay. Hey, I'll also let me one last um, question or whatever uh, or comment. Let some other people call in. If I send you a Xerox copy, I got a badge I found one time in a uh, what do you want to call it? A garage sale in a shoebox, mm-hmm. and it's from a. It's, it looks like from maybe a what do you want to call it? Society without secrets or with secrets from a fraternal <laughs> organization, Delta Kappa Epsilon, and it oh, yeah. angel wings. And it has the eye, and then if you go into the into the middle of it, it's got another kind of a shield with the kind of it's like a horse or a unicorn, and then on the other side, it's got you know the bridge, you know, like on the treasury symbol, whatever the dollar bill. Yeah, it's got yeah. Three stars and your cross, you know, your keys, and it's got some stuff in Russian at the bottom. 
And this okay. dates back to nineteen twelve. Can I send you a copy and maybe you can interpret it one night? Send it to me. Yeah, I'll be back after these messages. Thanks, Alan. Bye now. Bye. I'm Ron Paul, and you're listening to We the People Radio Network. Hi, folks. I want to walk back with Cutting Through the Matrix and just going through with the last caller. Some of the techniques will be used to get people to accept a brain chip. They've already accepted for their whole lives. Needles been stuck into them, so it's no real big deal, is it? It's a thought of going into the back of the head that's the problem. And that'll be no big deal too once some of your top superstars and you mean the people you follow, the big people who give you your opinions, come out and say that they've had it done and it's no big deal. And how safe they feel about it too. But I think also they could push this with, with the advent of, of pandemics and your whole medical history will all be in this too, of course, and you won't be allowed into certain places if you haven't had your inoculations and that'll be read automatically when you go near these sensors. So there's so many ways they can force or coerce people into compliance and that's what law is. You see, law is meant to use coercion, first of all, the threat of something followed by actual force if you don't comply. That's what law is. They prefer you going along and being coerced and acquiescing to the demands rather than being forced to do it. Because when people see people getting forced to do things, they get a little suspicious and might side with the poor unfortunate that's being forced. That's how it happens. Now, Antonio from Maryland is on the line. Are you there, Antonio? Yes, hello, Alan. How are you? Not so bad. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's nice to talk to you again. I've talked with you before. Um, I just wanted to add a little bit on to what um, your previous caller was saying about the chips. I, I would dare say that they that the chip itself probably wouldn't even need to actually be implanted into your um, cerebral brain case at all, that it actually attached to a nerve in, in your hand, in your arm, or anything like that, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and be used however about it. Well, yes. Decide that they want to control you. It's possible. You see, they did tests again in the 60s, 70s onwards with military personnel, even in Britain, that went for minor operations, and they tried it in the spine. That was the main area. Again, lots of nerve endings, and they've done their test. They know it certainly would be efficient if you could implant it just at the base of the skull, the back of the head. Uh, it would be more effective in a sense. It's right into the cortex area. And uh, I have no doubt, though, yeah, they could possibly implant it elsewhere, but they're talking about using it in the head right now. And the one that was sent to me with all the diagrams and the blueprints and so on has it uh, placed in the back of the head, right where Neo had it done in the Matrix movie. That was also part of the programming of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, to mention again um, about the virus, um, um shot. They have actually not disseminated, but actually have given out over 100 million shots here in the United States already. Yes. Yeah, even though in springtime in Canada, 
after the government uses our tax money to, to promote the flu shots, telling you you could be dangerous to others if you don't get the flu shot, by the way. Again, there's that little threat there, you see. Uh, after, when spring comes out, the same CBC national BBC-type television owned by the government, the CBC, uh, will tell us the statistics, and they'll show you there was, there's never been a difference between those who, who took the shot and those who didn't as regards to getting the flu. Because the, the, the shot they give you is always at least two years old, sometimes four, from a previous uh, flu epidemic four years ago in the Far East. And what they give you each year is a guess of what strain they're going to give you this year. Mm. And by their own science, this is the odd thing about it, if you just think things through, by their own science, since viruses are constantly evolving, you've got little tiny brains that are so, so brilliant, they're all geniuses, that we're told this, this nonsense, that they just can't keep up with it. And that's why they can't get an antidote, for instance, for AIDS, because now they say there's so many varieties, it's impossible. And it keeps mutating minute by minute, hour by hour. Yes. So, so here they are t- telling us something completely different about the flu shot uh, being the latest that they have. And, um, and, and by their own sciences, they all tell you that all viruses are constantly mutating. Now, which one is it? Which one is it, you see? When something smells rotten, then it's rotten. And we do know, regardless of what they really put in that shot, and, and who knows, even the doctor doesn't know what's really in it. He can't test it. Everything well, is taken on faith. You know, doctors haven't been doctors for quite a long time now, and I would say for, for a couple, at least, if not for at least three decades. Uh, they're just yeah. uh, an arm of the pharmaceutical companies and the um, major uh, medical organizations just to get you yes. in to out and get paid. Um, yeah, you're, you're right on. They, they, they're drug pushers, and, and most of them can't diagnose now. You go in with a problem, and they'll say you're in the category of pulmonary problems. They send you to a pulmonary specialist or often an allergist. So there's sort of a middleman that just pushes to the other, the other experts, you see. Okay. I just had two more quick things, and then I'm going to let other callers get in real fast. Um, one is um, um, there's a book out. Uh, I don't know. I, I've heard that you heard you say that you've written other books under other names. There's a book I've been reading called How the World Really Works by Alan B. Jones, mm-hmm. and it actually connects the dots pretty well, um, just as um, pretty much along the lines of how you connect the dots. Instead of giving one section of the, of the picture, and that's what most people tend to concentrate on because you know, they're unable to actually see the whole aspect of what's really going on, the the cycle of uh, yeah. actually keeping people down, such as um, the way that uh, the poor and the rich are continually being, the gap that's been created now because of the war, um, mm-hmm. basically. Um, people don't realize that it's, um, it's, 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 it's been done on purpose, <laughs> you know, that yeah. um, that's what's happening to the people. The government is not for the people. No government is for the people. That's right. And, and we must wake up and understand that not only is the government not for the people at all, but um, there may be some individuals who think they can do good in the government, but uh, but they most likely will be ineffective if they're at all. We had one politician in Canada who went into, uh, we have, we have a, a sort of provincial or state government as well, and he went into... Uh, our provincial parliament he didn't last long he, he, said, he wrote a book about it he said that he was first of all they came round him like sharks to see if he would join them in a little bit of, of, uh, 
of um, crookedness that were involved, and because they're all they're all rip-off merchants, to, to see if he'd play the same game and help himself as they were. That's what they try to do. You, it's like alcoholics seeing someone who's got sober to try to get the guy drunk again. Well, they go and test you, and that's what they tried with him. Would he be bribable? Would he go this way? Would he turn his eyes the other way when this was done and that was done and money was taken from the public purse? He would not go with it. So then they tried to set him up in different ways to discredit him, and so he left born voluntarily before they were successful in doing it. He said, these, these people have no conscience whatsoever. And, and, and they are, they're psychopathic. That's the only type that goes in for it, you see, unfortunately. Yes, if, uh, most people could just, um, um, I guess, in, in my view, if they can look and, and explore what the Reese Commission was trying to do, yeah. uh, the investigation and why it was squashed, um, yeah. they would find out uh, a, a great amount of information just, just from looking and exploring um, what they were trying to do on the individuals that was involved in it. Yeah, that's right. And you can, you can get the book. It's called Foundations, Their Power and Influence. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent, it has all the Reese Commission in it. And uh, and uh, I think it was Norman Dodds himself went went to uh, the Ford Foundation, for instance, and, and this is in the 60s, I believe. And and he was told, this is our purpose as a foundation is to help fund into existence a union of the Soviet system and the American system and bring it together into one. Yes, they even found out in the minutes that even one organization basically said that um, uh, what's better than war to change the, uh, the direction of uh, the society? Yes. Yes, Carol Quigley said it's easier to give in five years of war they can get more done than, than 50 years of peace and propaganda because in wartime they can force it through and over the public. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, Alan, it was nice talking with you again, and um, I, I hope you suffer the cold well there, and uh, you have a good day. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. And that's what we've got. We have psychopathic types who are well-connected, they belong to foundations, they're in and out of foundations as CEOs, into corporations, and then into government and background with these musical chairs of theirs, and they all belong to the same clubs, the old boys network, and they are controlled in a pyramid structure from, uh, again, at the very top, what we do see here, are royal families who like to knight these characters if they've done well in serving the great work. And uh, every so often we see people going off to get knighted. Even, as I say, the mafia leaders wanted to be knighted by the queen. An odd thing to want, really, when you had enough money to buy the world over a few times, like Mr. Bronfman had, and yet his dying wish was to was to be knighted by the queen. He founded all the charities that she donated to or presided over and, and gave them millions and millions every year just so that you could get in the good books and be knighted by, by the queen. Quite the ambition. Well, from Hamish, my dog, and myself, up here in Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God, or your gods, go with you. <laughs>